Oh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we praise you. We join with the myriads of angels declaring that you alone are worthy of praise. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for that. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you, you would do a mighty work in our midst. You already have. You already have. Father, that it would continue. Father, I pray that we would be a people that you would help us to understand how important it is to thank your son, Jesus. Father, let your Holy Spirit fall fresh on us. Lord, I pray against the kingdom of darkness. I pray that nothing would snatch the word of truth, your word, from hearts and minds. And Lord, so that our bodies would be as living instruments of righteousness for your namesake. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Why is Thanksgiving not always happy and thankful? That's been one of the major questions I've been thinking about this week. Yes, there's food. Yes, there's family. Maybe some football, maybe some hockey, maybe a nap. But for many, Thanksgiving is another weekend when expectations are not met. Or sadly, some have lost hope at all. They don't have any expectations anymore. It's, it's become too painful. I was listening to 680 News, and apparently there's now such a thing as called long weekend disorder. Long weekend disorder. You ever heard of that? Long weekend disorder. And um, it's for people who, the long holiday weekends are just so difficult. They feel so alone, and they feel depressed. And so some of the remedies that, that the news program said was that you should, you know, go to a movie. And if you do go to a movie, go to Courageous, okay? Great movie. Um, Some of the other remedies are you take a walk, uh, maybe listen to some music, read a book, call maybe a few friends. Now, all those remedies are fine. But I want to know why people are not happy this weekend. I believe the answer why many are not happy this weekend is that they have no one to thank. Or at least they don't realize it. Think about it. If you did not acknowledge a giver, who can you thank? Yourself? Many are not happy this weekend because they say, I worked hard. I earned the grades I have. I got the job. I bought this house. I provided all this for my family. So when it comes to take time to, to pause and give thanks, the best you can do is pat yourself on the back. Wonder how many politicians are thankful this Sunday. I bet some of them cried out to God saying, Lord, let me win the election. Wonder if they thank Jesus for putting them in the place that he has put them in. Important position in our society. See, patting yourself on the back for your accomplishments does not feel very satisfying 
or secure. And you know this to be true. It isn't very satisfying because you wake up the next day after accomplishing a goal and find out either one of two things have happened. Number one, there's a bigger goal to reach. There's a a bigger promotion to, to have and to get. Or there's a bigger house to obtain. Or the other option is that all that you've worked for is lost. The pension fund is greatly diminished. The degree you indebted yourself for means very little in the job search. And the family you seem, that you've wanted for so long seems pretty, pretty fractured, pretty aloof. Your accomplishments don't last. And this is why we try to grab control in our insecurity and also why we try to avoid problems in order to be happy. May I propose to you a different way of living, a different way of thinking, how you can be both happy and thankful? In fact, Jesus demonstrates how to be both in Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11. If you have your Bibles, let's turn there to Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11. And if you don't know where Luke is, uh, just look at the table of contents and then go to the Gospel of Luke and then go to chapter 17. We're going to start in verse 11. Luke chapter 17, verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Oh, and by the way, he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, We're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this this foreigner? And then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Notice that Jesus did not avoid problem people, which is often a tactic we try to remain happy. I I know. I've done it. I bet some of you have done it. You know, you see someone coming who's kind of got some problems. Maybe they don't see me. That's not Jesus' strategy. Jesus, what does he do? He's not walking on the border to avoid two groups of people. He's walking on the border to engage two types of people, the Galileans and the Samaritans. And so it says in an unnamed city, there were 10 lepers who recognized Jesus from a distance. See, Jesus had already been known to them. And they cried out to Jesus in a loud voice for mercy. Now I want you to notice about all of these lepers. Number one, they were all desperate. They were all desperate. 
They were all in a, in a very difficult, difficult situation. Leprosy was a terrible disease. It caused them not to be able to feel pain. And so when they put, put their hand in, 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 in hot places on a fire or, or they, they, they pit it against, against something in a bruise, they didn't take care of it. An infection would occur. It was terrible. They were all desperate. They all believed in Jesus. They believed that Jesus was more powerful than just the average teacher, that he could actually help in their situation. They all prayed. They all prayed and they all cried out to Jesus. And they all obeyed Jesus, didn't they? They all went to the priest. And they were all healed. This is a great reminder today that those who come to Jesus receive relief, even from a distance, Daryl Bach says. Jesus is so kind and compassionate. He cares for all people, everyone who has ever lived. Do you realize that? He gives blessing to them. Yes, they might be in desperate situations, But God has blessed them. He gave them life. He has given them life. And then you just can count the blessings from there. I've begun to practice an ancient spiritual discipline of writing down all the things each day that I can thank Jesus for. And I got to just tell you as I started this that the list kind of gets pretty long. I'm just going to read to you yesterday's list, okay? Would you like to know a few things that I just want to... I just want to praise Jesus for what he did yesterday in my life. So here's what I wrote. Thank you, Jesus, for 12 men going through the courageous Bible study. With 12 men who got up on a Saturday morning, a holiday weekend, at 7 in the morning, and came out for a courageous Bible study. And this is a shameless plug. You, more men, you can come out next Saturday, okay? <laughs> I'm thankful for 12. Jesus changed the world with 11. Thank you, Jesus, for being able to spend time with Pastor Dwayne. Got to spend some time with him yesterday morning. Thank you, Jesus, for good meals that my wife Lori cooked. Oh, she's such a good cook. It's hard to keep off the weight. Thank you, Jesus, for knowing going from, that's my son, not going from being able to stand up on his skates last Saturday to skating from the blue line all the way to the net without, without stopping and falling down. I couldn't believe it. Instructional hockey, man, wow. Thank you, Jesus, for Jessie not getting hurt on her bike when her clothes got caught in the tire. Thank you, Jesus, for the donuts that Pastor Calvin gave my family. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for the kids on my hockey team that I coach who played real hard and modesty prevents me from telling you what the outcome of the game was. Let me just say I was very, very, very thankful. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus, for the Michigan Wolverines football team being Northwestern. Oh, no. Lord, save these people. Thank you, Jesus, for getting into a free Toby Mac concert last night with the whole family 
because of some friends who gave me their discounted tickets and I got late from coaching hockey, showed up and they said, oh, just come on in free. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Wow. Worshiped God, reminding me, you know, not to, not to forfeit my soul, but to, not to try to gain the whole world. There's so many great songs he sang. Wow. Thank you, Jesus, for being able to connect with and serve our neighbors. Lori and I got a chance to connect with our neighbors this weekend. And thank you for giving me a sermon and getting to preach your gospel tomorrow to God's people. I was paying that one forward. Hmm. Now, for the lepers, in their Thanksgiving journal, they'd probably write at the top, healed, cleansed from leprosy. That'd be a good day, wouldn't it? All they had to do was go to the priest and spend a week in the observation room to, to be declared cleansed. What happened was, if you read in Leviticus 13 through 14, they had to go and hang out with the priest, and, and over a week's time, they would watch and see if there was any lesions or if there was any spots on them. And if there was none for a, for, for a whole week, then they would make a sacrifice to God, and then they would be free. Can you imagine free to go back to your family and to your life? All this time you've been secluded? I mean, what a joyous and thankful day. And by the way, there was, there was no known rep, a re, remedy or cure for leprosy in that day. It was a total, total God thing. So, it would have been a great day for those lepers. But that's not the end of the story for the lepers or for us. You see, many come to Jesus to have a need met, and Jesus often meets that need. And for 9 out of 10, 90% of people, they think that's the end. If we transfer the stats of this story into our society, the majority in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our society, in our homes, are experiencing blessing from God, but they're never heard from again. The story's done. Is your story done? Be careful not to answer too quickly because I need to remind you that the nine recognized Jesus as master with healing power. They prayed to Jesus. They obeyed Jesus. And they saw the mighty work of God in their lives. They just didn't go back to Jesus. Why not? Well, did you notice something about the nine who didn't return? Who were they? They were all Jews. They did everything they were supposed to. They were religious. They were God's people, duty-bound to keeping the rules, to following everything that God had instructed. In fact, in the parable that Jesus tells, just prior to this episode that we find in, uh, in, in verse 11, we find some great insights as what's actually going on that Luke helps us. So look at verse 7. Look at verse 7. And look what Jesus says. Suppose one of you had a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Would he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, 
Come along now and sit down to eat. Would he rather not say? Prepare my supper. Get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink. After that, you may eat and drink. Would he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. In Jesus' parable, we, we see the attitude of many and describes another master who tells his servant to act upon his wishes, this time to prepare supper. Should such a servant ever expect to be thanked? As N.T. Wright reminds us, the shocking lesson that we need, we all need, is that even the hard work we do for God never for a moment puts God in our debt. Think about that. All genuine service to God is done from gratitude, not to earn anything at all. Oh, beloved, we will never be happy if we think we deserve payment for our work. That accomplishments, accomplishers trying to pursue happiness. Why? Happiness and joy escape you because you do not acknowledge that there is a giver. You accomplish the work and you will still have no one to thank. If you can't thank yourself, so your happiness is so short-lived. And think about this in our life. How many times have you tried to be happy? I hear about this passage, I just want to be happy. Maybe it's because you haven't been thankful. You fall into the trap that God owed you because you, you think that you just did what God told you to do. You'll be like the 90%, blessed, but still at a distance from Jesus. Now, I got to tell you, even worse, that this story teaches that very religious people can be included in the 90% of ingrates. Religious people can be the most ungrateful because they think, here's the kicker, they're working for God. I found this very convicting. How about you? I would even go so far to say that if you're sitting here today without gratitude to Jesus, you need to seriously question your faith. Why? If you don't like to thank Jesus now, then you won't like heaven very much, will you? Where the, the top 40 hit songs on the pop chart will always have a theme of thankfulness to Jesus. But some of you might be thinking, John, come on, you're being too hard on those nine lepers. They, they needed to go show the priest, right? Didn't, aren't they just obeying what Jesus said to do? They knew that they, they, they needed to avoid the problems of getting too close to Jesus. They were required to stay four steps away from him so as not to, to make anybody, and Jesus included, sick. Yes, Jesus seemed to have God's power, but he was, he was controversial. That's why they had heard of him. And isn't there just times, my friends, that we just need to leave well enough alone? But remember, these are Jews from the tribe of Judah. And what does Judah mean? Praise. Praise. These nine were to be leaders in praise and thanks to God, just like we Christians are now. 
but they didn't show up. Their absence and silence led Jesus to be the one asking the questions. And those questions still echo for us today. Now, now remember, when Jesus is asking questions, it's not for his benefit, it is for our benefit. And so he asks, we're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And then Jesus' final declaration, rise and go, your faith has literally saved you. Notice the difference in verse 14 to verse 19. It says, and they were cleansed, healed. But in verse 19, it says, rise and go, your faith has made you well. The NIV, I think, isn't strong enough there. I think it should be saved you, sozo. Your faith has saved you. See, the nine lepers were blessed and healed, but missed out on two vital things. Salvation and mission. Salvation and mission give us great joy, and only one of the ten received them, the Samaritan. Ironically, the one outside of faith. He was the one who came back without any concern for himself. He wanted everybody to know what Jesus did for him. Which is why he cried out in a loud voice and thanked. Thanked Jesus. And guess what? That voice is still being heard today. He was saved and commissioned to share the good news about Jesus. And this is why it's important that we publicly declare our faith in and thanks to Jesus at the moment of our salvation. This is why baptism is so important. This is why we're having a baptism next week. We're having a baptism at the end of this month to declare what Jesus has done for us so that we get, in part, used to sharing and witnessing what Jesus has done for us. This is a part of our MO. It's good news. It's good news for us still today. And when we recognize that life is more than just doing what is expected, it causes us to be filled with great joy, to be celebrative, it's more, but it's more than having a celebration. True thankfulness to Jesus is the difference between being healed and happy. Being satisfied and saved. Being fine and free. Think about this. Jesus took the barriers of our uncleanness away. So now we can be with him and worshiping him. Those lepers, they were not allowed to worship God because of their, their, their disease. They weren't allowed to hang out with others. Jesus, in one statement, done, had done away with that. He's so powerful. So would you? Would you go and see Jesus? Because he's taken away all the barriers between you and God, would you go? Would you, would you go to see Jesus because he's taken away not only the barriers between you and God, but between you and others? We must do that. This is what this communion table is about. Now, before we go any further, someone's saying, John, but the leper, the leper came back to Jesus. Didn't he, didn't he disobey Jesus? 
Wasn't he supposed to go and show himself to the priest? Can we just kind of make our own rules about following Jesus? Is that what, is that what this Samaritan did? The Samaritan wasn't disobeying Jesus. He just got the order right. Thanking Jesus for what he did and then doing what he says to do. This is of utmost importance. The Samaritan knew, knew that he had no claim to this blessing. Do you realize the Samaritans, as, as considered half-breeds for 400 years before this time of Jesus, when, when the Jews were sent off to Babylon in exile, the lessons that Pastor Rick's talking about in Daniel kind of give us a little, little insights into what was happening during those days, that the Samaritans were the ones who were left behind in Palestine. And because they intermarried with non-Jews, for 400 years, the Samaritans were considered outsiders. Not allowed to go into the temple. So understanding that, think about that Samaritan. He hears Jesus' words, go and show yourself to the priest. You must have been thinking, will I be healed? The priest won't even let me in. I'm a despised Samaritan. I can't even make it past the outer court of the temple. Imagine his shock and joy when he looked down and saw his skin cleansed and his body made whole. And in his exuberant joy, he did run to the priest, the high priest Jesus. This Samaritan saw God in Jesus. Now, to my Muslim and atheist and non-Christian friends maybe listening on the internet. You can't just thank God. You must come to Jesus because he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. Maybe you can relate to this Samaritan. You know who you are. You know you don't deserve the blessings of God. You aren't even very religious. You are here because you got, well, dragged by your family for Thanksgiving Sunday, right? I want to tell you, you can come to Jesus. Whether you are religious or irreligious, you must come to Jesus and thank him. Thanking Jesus presumes trusting Jesus. Thanking Jesus is often the evidence of saving faith. You realize that you, and your eyes are finally open to the truth that there's only one who can do the impossible. Now I know that each one, each one in this room has an impossible situation in their life. In the case of the Samaritan, he was heading to a certain death. And once healed, he realized only Jesus could do that. My friends, you too. You too are heading to a certain death. Are you doing what the Samaritan did? Are you one coming to Jesus? He's waiting with open arms for you. Come to Jesus. Are you too? Are you acknowledging Jesus as the only one who can do the impossible?
And thirdly, are you confessing publicly your thanks to Jesus as the master, as the Lord of your situation? Isn't this exactly what we find the Apostle Paul writing in Romans chapter 10, verse 13? The promise that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved? So how are you responding to Jesus? He's here today. Did you know that? You might be terribly overcome by despair, discouragement, disease. Have you cried out to Jesus as your Lord and Master? Maybe Jesus has told you to do something. He gave you something explicitly to do. You've heard his voice. You've seen his power. Are you stopping and running back to him with no concern about what others think? Maybe you aren't very religious. You've always been considered an outsider. And now Jesus is calling you an insider and saved you and has given you a mission to declare to others of the only one who can do the impossible in their lives, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He's the one who can save you from a certain death. Whatever your situation you must recognize that unspoken gratitude will always miscarry. It must be delivered. You know this to be true yourself because you've been on the giving end of a relationship, right? You know, you gave a gift to somebody and they never thank you for it. How does that make you feel? They never express the joy and thankfulness for what you've done, the sacrifice you made. That's how God feels. It also explains why happiness becomes so elusive without thanksgiving. I need to say it again in a different way. Gratitude by its very nature acknowledges that there's something beyond me who has supplied my need and desire. I can't do it myself. Instead, Happiness always dies on the vine without labeling it where the potential new wine comes from. Now, brothers and sisters, in conclusion, I, I don't want the takeaway today to be that I'm advocating for better manners, to say your pleases and your thank yous. I'm not your mother nagging you for product, proper etiquette, Okay? No, what I'm doing is I'm pleading to you and to myself that grace and grace alone produces gratitude. That you recognize that only Jesus can save you and that you need that every day. Now our problem is, is that we can't exhibit true thankfulness because there's something in our hearts that wants to grab the glory and credit for ourselves. It's evidenced by the fact that we have asked God to do something for us. Maybe something very significant. Maybe something very life-changing. Then we forgot to ask him, to thank him. Sadly, we won't be truly thankful and thus happy until we remember that Jesus not only gives joy, but also gave thanks when no one else did. He is not only our example of, the, and of giving us true joy, 
and that he is the source of true joy, but he's the one who gave thanks. Remember on the night that Jesus was betrayed? He gave thanks. He was the only one. Nobody else was thankful that night. The disciples were perplexed and gloomy by his words of death. The Pharisees were happy in a perverted way because they thought they finally got their man. But that didn't last. Three days later, Jesus rose from the grave. It was only Jesus. Only Jesus could give thanks despite the horrible death that he was about to experience. Which is so helpful for us because I know that some of you are going through terrible circumstances. You feel so alone. But can you give thanks? Jesus did. Because he knew that if he praised God in a loud voice and fell at the Father's feet, the Father would also be able to say, Rise and go. Your faith, your trust in me has saved the world. Jesus did this when he said, not my will, but yours be done, Father. Jesus' thanks demonstrates a deep-seated trust in his Father. And to be followers of Christ, we must have that same trust and thanks. It's, it's required. My friends, you, you know, you've lived long enough that happiness is not found in your circumstances. It isn't found in your accomplishments. It is found in Christ's accomplishment for you. Happiness is not found in avoiding problems and problem people. Jesus, Jesus himself didn't avoid problem people like the lepers, nor did he avoid the problem people like you and me, rebels. Praise God. Instead, he gave thanks. And for the joy set before him, he endured the cross so that every day would be a happy thanksgiving for all eternity. What better way to celebrate this great thanksgiving that Jesus did for us than having a thanksgiving meal with a new family, your spiritual family. Now, I just got to tell you that this meal is not like the happy meals. The happy meals that are constantly um, my kids want me to get at McDonald's, okay? I think happy meals are an oxymoron. They don't make parents happy because they cost so much. And what I've discovered after they wore me down last week and I finally bought a happy meal that they don't make the kids happy either. Guess what I saw? The little toy that was so important to them was abandoned on the floor. Today, as we eat this ultimate Thanksgiving meal as a church family, we are commanded by Jesus to not forget what he did on the cross for us. We are not to get far from the cross. We are not to abandon anything that he has given us. Even things we don't initially like. We're not to discard them. Because we haven't seen the great and grand picture of the good and joyful thing that he wants to do in our lives. So in order to partake of 
the bread and the cup today. You need to trust and you need to thank Jesus for what he did for you. You need to recognize that it was impossible to heal and save yourself. And you need to come to him. Have you done that? Are you doing that? If you're still part of the 90% who've not come to Jesus, come and thank Jesus today. Joy awaits you. Happiness awaits you forever and ever. Let's pray. Father, I just so thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you for saving your people here. Lord, forgive us of the times that we have not been grateful. We, we've taken credit for ourselves. That we've tried to receive the glory for the things that have done. You did it through us. We're just so thankful. We run to you. We come back to you. You fall at your feet. And you even give us more. Wow. Thank you, God. We pray in Jesus' name.